Well, over the past couple of weeks, past couple of months, we've seen some pretty big announcements from the federal government and the provincial government all about supporting Ontario's automotive manufacturing sector. Millions for General Motors, a billion for a battery plant in Windsor. Let me ask you this question. When you, when you hear about that, what do you think? You're like, well, that's, that's fantastic. We're keeping jobs here. You know, the, the, that kind of investment, we need that. Otherwise, those plants are going to go somewhere else. But is that true? Is it the best way to spend our taxpayer money? I read a piece this morning in the Globe and Mail that really opened my eyes about incentives <clears throat> and automakers. And I am pleased to welcome to the program Greg Mordu, who's an associate professor at McMaster University. Greg, welcome. Thanks for this piece. Uh, le- let me just go right to the, the heart of the matter. Are incentives to automakers? always necessary? Well, I don't think they're always necessary. Our practice in uh, Canada and Ontario, because the automotive industry, Canada's automotive industry is exclusively located in Ontario, of course, or almost exclusively located in Ontario, of course, is that um, is that we use incentives on just about every occasion that an automaker would seem to to ask whether it's for a brand new plant as is the case of uh, of Stellantis LG's battery plant in Windsor which is a great announcement by the way or whether it's just the refurbishment of an existing plant a uh, for a new model change for example which comes at you know 5 to 7 year intervals and the the question that we need to ask ourselves and our policymakers need to consider is whether or not and this is your point, whether we need to use incentives on every occasion and whether we need to be a little more circumspect and uh, and, and particular in, in, in our deployment of such incentives. Uh, you point out that there's a significant difference in the way that incentives work here in Ontario, whether or not it's the federal government or the Ontario government backstopping it, and U.S. states. Can you explain that? Yeah, primarily in the in Canada, and this is an interesting and, it, and it's uh, approach, and it's it's probably reasonably well received. Is that the, the Canadian federal government comes to the table, and the province of Ontario comes to the table, and invariably they are almost exactly in 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 lockstep with it with the same uh, with the same type of package. In the U.S., U.S. states are, for the most part, the sole. Um, sales organization for investment attraction there the federal government tends not to be involved and so that's interesting in and of itself but the more interesting aspect is that the u.s states tend to 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 employ this kind of one and done approach where there's a brand new plant and they'll compete for it and they'll offer frankly large incentives and that is generally the end of their involvement with the uh, with the incentivization game for that particular plant. In Canada and Ontario, our, our approach is, yes, we'll come to the table and come to the pump when there's a, a, a new plant on in the cards and that we need to compete with it, whether it's with the US in Michigan or the US South or anywhere else for that matter, globally, and we'll compete and we'll compete aggressively. And that's what happened in, 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 the, in the case of Stellantis LG in Windsor. But we also come to the pump every time an automaker in Canada says, you know, we've got to uh, um, change this particular model and it's getting near the end of its uh, five or seven year life cycle. 
and we need a little bit of help to uh, to help us make the decision to keep it here in Canada. And we have over and over again, and those are most of the decisions that are made. And over and over again, we have succumbed to those pressures that the automakers in Canada um, um, put forward as if we are going to lose those uh, those, those footprints. And your point is, is that, you know, maybe we should call their bluff? Well, maybe we should call their bluff for those ones. And, 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 and the example I use, and I don't want to pick on Honda specifically, but it's the most recent example that's out there. Honda is upgrading and refurbishing its plant in Alliston. And the federal government and the provincial government have come to the table with $267 million to, uh, to secure that the future of that plant. And if you say it real fast, it makes perfect sense. 4,000 people working there, and, uh, and, and, and it keeps that place going for at least another six years. And that's very important. It's an important plant. It's a good plant. And it's, a very, uh, it's, it's, it's an important part of Honda's uh, North American footprint. But the point is, if those incentives are there to um, to mitigate the the effect of Canada's high cost labor vis-a-vis the uh, U.S. South, or, or or more to the point against Mexico, I mean, frankly, we our, our labor and benefits are probably at least ten times as high as they are in, Mex- in Mexico. Two hundred sixty-seven million dollars. For uh, for four thousand people or so, auto workers in in Alliston will keep that place in terms of paying their pay and benefits for six or eight months. It would last six or eight or ten years in in Mexico. So, really, the, I mean, if you were trying to only use incentives to mitigate the cost of of high cost labor, you'd have you'd have. $2 billion, $3 billion of incentives going into Alliston. And that's not realistic. So the point is, is $267 million really important in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things? Or do they, or does Honda just uh, accept $267 million because the government of Canada and the government of Ontario said, we'd like to reward and recognize your uh, the, the decision that you're probably going to make anyways. Uh, speaking with Greg Mordu, who's with McMaster University, has a great piece in the Globe, sort of explaining how incentives from the federal government and the provincial government actually work when it comes to automotive manufacturing. And of course, behind all of this, and you make the point that these are, you know, real jobs, families with real stories, and communities that depend on these things. But I, I, w- I found it interesting. You actually came to a percentage that you believe, you know, that is sort of a. a to mitigate not only labor costs, but other costs that would be lower in other jurisdictions like the U.S. South or Mexico? Well, I don't have a, a, a specific formula for this, uh, um, but I am. Uh, I think my piece indicated that generally speaking, the uh, if, if an automaker is uh, going to spend whatever number it is to, uh, to upgrade a, an existing facility or build a brand new one, the province of Ontario and the government of Canada will support that investment with about 20% of their total spending. 20%. That's, that's the number that automakers just realize is likely on the table at any point, 20%, whether it's an upgrade or a new build. That's right. Greg, fascinating stuff. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Some interesting stuff. Uh, Greg Mordu, Associate Professor 
uh, at McMaster University. And his piece is in the Globe right now. It's an interesting breakdown of, of how our incentive money, our taxpayer money, really goes to fund uh, automotive, automotive manufacturing in Ontario. And I work, he works it out to like 200 bucks a car for like every car that we have made. And keep in mind that if you look back to 2000, the year 2000, Ontario auto factories in that year made 3 million vehicles and employed 54,000 people. 3 million vehicles, 54,000 employees. Last year, after billions and billions of dollars of government support, 1.1 million vehicles and 37,000 employees. Hmm. Makes you go, hmm.